Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 146 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to preview the 2018 NBA Finals. It's going to sound familiar because, once again, it is the Golden State Warriors meeting the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we will break down how much is going to be different from the last three times, and we're going to give our predictions who we think is going to win. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCast. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's, uh, it's going, Brian, because, I mean, I don't know, should we just not do this one and just, <laughs> like use last year's preview instead or the year before or the year before even though we didn't have a podcast that year (laughs) want extra cash for vacation or to buy something you've always wanted transfer your auto loan to pathways financial credit union and we'll give you one percent cash back up to a thousand dollars and you can enjoy no payments for three months visit a convenient central ohio location and let us take care of your auto loan and provide extra cash check us out at pathwayscu.com offer of credit subject to credit approval loan interest will continue to accrue during the first three months of no payments pathways is federally insured by the ncua like, I, I don't know i'm 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 not sure how to feel about this brian the fourth time around it's um like it's getting old and yet it's it's still mildly intriguing in some aspects because you brought up a very good point before we started recording you told me imagine if lebron does this yeah imagine if he takes this team to the championship Right. And I was like, yeah, but... And then I started looking over the roster, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That would be his greatest accomplishment, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. By far. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all of the talk, like, Mark Jackson had that talking point. Uh, I forget. I think during Game 6, when he was like, well, if he takes this roster to the finals, it's going to be better than winning a championship, which is stupid. But if yeah. he takes this roster to a championship, yeah, I think this is his most impressive one, by far. Mm-hmm. Just given the depleted state. I mean, we don't know what's going on with Kevin Love. Um, so let's just go right into it. We're, we'll start from the Cavaliers' side because, uh, again, like it's the theme of the 2017-18 season. Injuries are looming large on both sides, uh, but we'll start from the Cleveland angle. Kevin Love remains in the concussion protocol. We don't know his status for Game 1. We're not going to until Thursday, most likely, unless he gets cleared tomorrow. So... We, we can't say whether he's going to play in game one. I, I don't anticipate he misses the entire finals, but we don't know that. So right. let's assume more that he does miss game one. How do you think okay. that affects Cleveland in this matchup? Is it 
okay to say not by you know <laughs> it won't be affecting anything because yeah. it's still the warriors <laughs> well i mean i think it's it, you know we we talked about it for ahead of boston cleveland game seven and i <laughs> wrongly sang the praises of larry nance who did nothing but you know jeff green came and had a monster game um mm-hmm. in in place of love in the starting lineup and we were talking about how without love defensively they're more versatile more switchable they're not going to have such an obvious target for the Warriors yeah. to pick on or, or in that you know in that case we we're talking about the Celtics but the same goes for the Warriors like now you've got you know Tristan Thompson's going to be your starting five you're going to have LeBron Jeff Green George Hill and the corpse that is J.R. Smith in your starting lineup right so like you can really interchangeably switch between any of those positions and you know we'll we'll talk about the Warriors and Andre Wadell in a few minutes, but mm. I, that versatility, I think, you know they're they're gonna miss Love's rebounding, of course, but as a scorer, he hurt his hand early on in the playoffs, and he just hasn't looked right since. Mm-hmm. Like he shot very poorly in that Boston series before he went down. He shot poorly in the Indiana series as well. He was a little bit better against Toronto, but still, compared to the rest of the team, he didn't shoot nearly as well as, like, everyone else who was shooting 70% from the field against Toronto. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say they're going to miss him on the glass because that's been their big advantage against the Warriors, you know, the past three years with Love and Thompson. They That was, like, their one place that they could beat the Warriors. But aside from that, like, it's, you know, it's what I was saying about Chris Paul had he played in Game 7. I think Love at this point is at at least as much of a liability as an asset, if not more so. And it's, you know, nothing against Kevin Love as a player, just he has a a bum hand and he can't shoot as well as he needs to. Right. I still think Golden State goes at Jeff Green. Oh, yeah. Because, Because here's the thing. We're trying to compare, in a sense, what Boston did to what Golden State did. Well, Kevin Durant is like five times the player Jason Tatum is at this point in time. Mm hmm. You have Clay, who is also a lot better than Jalen Brown, and then you have Steph, who is like on a different world than Terry Rozier. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, the Cavs do have some switching flexibility now that they don't have with Kevin Love, but that plays more into their advantage when they're playing a team like Boston than they are playing against Golden State. So, now you have Durant, who is what seven feet, who can take <laughs> it to the basket on you know basically every time he touches it. He won't have to be too concerned about Tristan Thompson. He won't really have to be too concerned about Jeff Green. He won't have to be too concerned about J.R. Smith rot- rotating over and helping because, yeah, it's J.R. Smith. Mm-hmm. Like What I'm looking at here is how do you really slow down KD, who's going to play like a pivotal role in all this. Like We can talk all day long about what kind of advantages Cleveland have in not having love there or... You know their their depth and, and their shooting ability, whatever. The whole thing to me boils down to what can Cleveland do to not get Kevin Durant involved. And I only mm-hmm. have one answer for that, but that answer isn't a great one. It is make LeBron the dedicated defender, but that's going to take him away from the offensive side of the ball where yeah. he's like dimensions more important. So what do you do? Like where do you go from here if you're Cleveland? Like what's your point of attack? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. I, I think you're right. You can't put LeBron on KD um, just because it's going to take too much away from him on offense. It's going to take too much energy. He, you know, we, We've seen him mm. actively trying to preserve energy on that end of the floor. 
uh, in the regular season at least, they've mostly put LeBron on Draymond, and then you know he plays that like free safety role where yep. he can kind of cheat off the ball. But like yeah, in the Christmas Day game um, against the Warriors, he was on Draymond for 45 possessions according to the Second Spectrum data on NBA.com. Next closest was Jordan Bell at eight, um, and then in their other regular season matchup, 38 possessions on Draymond, 15 on KD. So. Yeah, I mean they're not that they're not going to do that full time. It looks like Jeff Green actually got that assignment a decent amount, uh, especially mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. Um, you know, well, eleven possessions. I mean, he just didn't play all that much, but he, right. you know, KD shot one of five from the field against Jeff Green in those eleven possessions. So it looks like you know KD KD wanted to go at him, but he wasn't all that efficient doing so. So I think right. if you're the, I mean, if you're the Cavs, I think your strategy is basically defensively what the Warrior or what the Rockets did. You're going to switch everything to prevent ball movement. You're going to mm-hmm. encourage isolations. Like you want KD to ISO and you want him to post up. And even if he gets thirty plus points, at least you're avoiding the barrage of like those backbreaking three pointers from Clay and Steph, especially in the third quarter. Do you though? I don't know if I agree with that. Look, I mean, it's one thing to go up against P.J. Tucker and Trevor Risa, who are both amazing defenders and are just that much cleverer mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Going up against Jeff Green and, if Kevin Love returns, Kevin Love. Yeah. And, and, and like, who else? Like, Nance, I guess. Like, but... like Larry Nance. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, there aren't, there aren't that, good options, really. Right. I, that that would be what thirty points a game on a sixty five percent true <laughs> shooting percentage from KD. Yeah. Then then you can argue, oh, would you rather have KD go off for for that number every game, than have the ball swing? Well, I think both could actually happen. I th- we saw it in Game Seven mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. KD ended up with what thirty four, and the ball still swung. I, yeah. Steph hit hit seven. Three, seven or eight threes? Was it seven? At seven, I believe, yeah. Seven, yeah, and Clay got involved. I mean, th- that's really the scary thing about Golden State. Like, you can't do th- that. You, you can't really apply that logic to them as you can with, with Gold or with Cleveland, where you say, oh, if you stop LeBron with this, then this and this and that won't happen. No, because mm-hmm. in, you can't do that with Golden State because they have so many layers that they can go to. Yeah. Where if you shut one thing down, well, then they have. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten backup plans right there right. that can go. Like, think about the amount of two-way games or two-way combinations that you can find in Golden State. Like, you have Steph and KD, you have Steph and Draymond, you have Clay and KD, Clay and Dray- Draymond. Like, even to a point, Steph and Clay because they can screen for each other. Like, there are mm-hmm. so many combinations in regards to those four, and then you have so many X factors. Like, you have Nick Young, like Swaggy coming <laughs> off the bench. Like, you don't know. He, I mean, at this point in time, I would argue he's better than J.R. Smith. Oh I yeah, mean, I mean J.R. Smith has been horrendous. He's been he's been terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah. And then you have Javale McGee, who's probably going to see some burn. Because yeah. Look at look at that lack of size on Cleveland's team. And then my X factor for this series, Jordan Bell. Yeah, yeah. You have so many options. You even have David West, who's coming, who can come in there. Like you, oh man, I. Look, I'm not going to predict anything for this series because LeBron has proven me wrong in round one, in round two, in round three now. So sure. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and crab on Cleveland to that extent. But that, that roster, man, it's 
it's so problematic that I'm sitting here looking over this matchup and I just go, I can't find like a silver silver lining here for yeah. this matchup. Like if this was if this was Houston and Cleveland, now that would have been interesting. Yeah. Houston minus Chris Paul mm-hmm. versus you know LeBron and Trash. <laughs> They should really rebrand the team as instead really? of the Cleveland Cavaliers, just the Cleveland LeBron and Trash. Yeah, and then then he leaves, and it's yeah. going to be really awkward. Right, just, no, then but, it, just Cleveland Trash then, yeah. The Cleveland Trash, oh, yeah. that sounds appropriate. No, but, I mean, it's just LeBron is... We've talked about all playoffs long. LeBron has to do so much. Yeah. This is the one match where he has to do even more. Yeah, yeah. I mean... To your point, going back to the KD thing for just a minute, mm. uh, we haven't seen these teams play since the trade deadline. They played, you know, Christmas Day and then they played mid-January. So, right, a lot of the matchup data from those matchups are not going to be all that useful, at least on Cleveland's end. That said, Jay Crowder was the primary defender on Kevin Durant in both of those matchups. So now yeah. they're down Jay Crowder. And it speaks to your point, where like, in terms of roster construction, especially when you compare it to Houston, Houston had a bunch of those two-way wings, and like Houston built its roster this past offseason. As Daryl Morey has like openly admitted, he built it with Golden State in mind. He got a bunch of two-way wings who he could plug on KD, on Steph, on mm-hmm. Clay, on Draymond, and just interchange them. Cleveland's got LeBron. You have Jeff Green. <laughs> And then, I like I guess like, I, I would assume Larry Nance is going to see some KD time, but like other than that, Rocky Kyle Corbett, yeah, right, like Rodney Hood's going to. Oh, oh no. man, yeah. If you bring Rodney Hood out, it, it goes from a possible gentleman sweep to like Warriors in three. I think they might just cancel Game Four. <laughs> they cancel Game Four. Yeah, just like a mercy rule. <laughs> but uh, you're right. It speaks to the point of like I that Cleveland just doesn't have the personnel really, to match up with this Warriors team. And they haven't, you know, for years, frankly. But at least back then they had Kyrie Irving to, like, (laughs) match flamethrower counterpunches. And now, without possibly without Kevin Love in Game 1 or Game 2 or however long he's out, it, like, you're right, I have no idea. LeBron, not only does he have to put up a 40-point triple-double, as he did throughout the Boston series... But he also has to play impeccable defense against Kevin Durant or against Klay Thompson or it's against just, Steph. Yeah, it's just too much to ask. I mean, look, there's only one way, in my point of view, that Cleveland wins this series. Mm-hmm. That is if Golden State just goes cold from three mm-hmm. and everyone, and I mean everyone from Cleveland, starts to hit like a 40% clip from outside. Like Kyle Korver hitting 50. Mm-hmm. J.R. Smith reverting back to his like 2012 form. Uh, yeah. Kevin Love being healthy and, and returning to his Minnesota form, you know, yeah. Jeff Green going back to being 22 again. Yeah. Uh, all the and Jordan Clarkson would have to just just be, yeah become the Lakers version of his, himself because he's not been that since arriving in Cleveland. There are so many guys there who can sort of contribute, but they're playing a role that is just a little bit higher than they should be playing. Mm-hmm. Because they just have this lack of a third guy or even a second guy. Because I'm not sure I look at Kevin Love as the second guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you have two guys who are quote unquote stars. And I'm using the quote unquote because 
LeBron is really, in my point of view, the only legitimate star on that team. Kevin Love is kind of on the bubble. Mm-hmm. But after that, the drop-off is so significant. Like, yeah. it's... You could literally argue that everyone after Kevin Love would not be secured a starting spot on any team in the, uh, around the NBA at this point. Oh, I don't know about that. Who? George Who? Hill would start for... He would no, no, start no, no, for no. Like, yeah, I'm saying you could make an argument. Oh, well, I mean, I, if you were going to say none of them would start for the Warriors, I'll give you that. Oh, no, that, that's true. What I mean about it, yeah, okay, I worded this point. What I meant is, like, there's a debate whether that guy should start. Like, if the third best player is J.R. Smith or George Hill, wherever you go with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe he could start for a handful of teams, but he's not going to be, like, a, a sure, surefire starter yeah. for the vast majority of teams around the NBA. Whereas if you look at Golden State, like, obviously, like the third and the fourth and the fifth guy, <laughs> right. they, they would get significant roles throughout the course of the league. Right. But Cleveland, that's, like, it's LeBron, it's Love, and it's a bunch of, at best, role players. And yeah. they have to hit their mark perfectly for this to become a competitive series. Now, am I saying that couldn't happen? No, it, it could happen. Like, theoretically, it could happen. And Kyle mm-hmm. Korver could go nu- nuclear. He has that, he has that ability. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not finding it likely. Right. Well, I mean, we saw throughout not only the Boston series, but, like, just look, someone tweeted just the picture on basketball reference of the playoffs mm-hmm. per game stats of the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. And it's horrendous. It's LeBron oh, yeah. being incredible. You know, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, almost right. above 54% shooting from the field. The next closest is Kevin Love at 13.9, and he's the only other double-digit scorer they have. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bunch of guys yep. in the 8 and 9 range, which is Jeff Green, J.R. Smith, George Hill, Kyle Korver. And so you're right. Like, if some of those guys go off, if J.R. Smith starts shooting above 36% from the field, it, yeah, maybe this is a competitive series. But nothing we've seen throughout the playoffs suggests that's going to happen, especially go, going into, like, Oracle Arena, where, you know, they're, they're even if they do go off, you're still going to get hit with the third quarter Warriors. Mm-hmm. Like we've, oh, yeah. We've seen no lead is safe at halftime. I mean, Houston... Had a 10-point lead in Game 6 and 11-point lead in Game 7, and they were trailing at the end of the third quarter in both games. Right. Oh, so. you know what? You just made me realize there is one more way that the Warriors could at least lose a game. Okay. How's that? That they completely under underestimate their opponent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, and this is just what the Warriors do. Like, there's going to be game, one... Right? Yeah, there's going to be yeah, one game, game. Okay. where they, like turn the ball over 25 times because they're like exactly. Steph is trying to get cute and like do some behind the back passes yeah. And, like yeah they're they're gonna have one game where they just cough it away because mm. they're being too cocky I yeah think it's funny i don't think i've seen anyone like suggest a sweep yeah no i don't think i have either because i i think people know like this is what the warriors do they're too undisciplined to mm-hmm. to sweep this Cavs team especially you know i, I think that's also a a respect to LeBron thing. I think it's like, all right, <laughs> we learned our lesson. We continually underestimate what LeBron can do. And it's, again, we said it in the, you know, we both picked Boston in game seven, but we both said we're not underestimating LeBron. We're, we were penciling him in for a 40-point triple-double, and he, you know, he had 35-15-9, and nine, close enough. We didn't expect Boston's supporting cast to go completely MIA in game seven. No. 
like the Cavs... 15% from downtown? Yeah, like the Cavs scored yeah. 87 points and won on the road. I mean, if you told me the Cavs scored 87 points in Game 7, I would have said LeBron James is already packing his bags and leaving Cleveland. Like, they, yeah. they should not have won that game. So, will the Warriors... Like, I, I, don't, I would be flabbergasted if the Warriors drop either of these first two games at home. Do I think Cleveland's supporting cast at home... Knowing, you know, if we don't step up here, we're going to get swept out of the playoffs. Like, I bet they come through in either game three or game four. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. No, I agree. Do, could you see a scenario in which this goes six? <sighs> I guess. I mean, if if they hold, <laughs> if Cleveland homes hold court, the game is three and four. Like, I, I don't, I would really be shocked if they're not down 2-0 going back to Cleveland. That that's basically a championship for Cleveland. Like if they go six, I think <laughs> Cleveland is entitled to have a parade. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, more we also have to talk about from the Warriors side of things. You know, love is questionable going to game one for Cleveland. Andre Iguodala, we still don't know what's going right. on with him. Uh, Steve Kerr, after Game Seven, he was on the Inside the NBA panel, and he he said it's. I'm going to just read his quote. It's literally a day-to-day thing. He has not progressed, unfortunately, as well as we thought he would. Obviously, he's a huge factor against Cleveland. You've got to have a lot of bodies to guard LeBron, and Andre's been our main guy against LeBron the last three years. So Chris Haynes of ESPN reported Tuesday morning that Iguodala recently got a second opinion on his knee, and he's still trying to figure out what's wrong. Uh, He plans to search for a remedy in the coming days, but his status for game one remains unknown for the time being. Yeah. So more, I mean, that, that might be the answer to your question. If, if Iguodala misses, I mean, hopefully he doesn't miss the entire finals, but if he misses games one and two, or he misses, you know, the first couple games, I guess that opens the door a little bit. Yeah, it does. But then again, like, you know, I was looking into the matchup data because I'm writing about this Iguodala thing for Give Me Sport tomorrow. And since KD came to the team, KD's been the one, the main guy on, on LeBron. Like, we all think about Iggy being that guy because of the 2015 NBA Finals where, you know, he held LeBron to, like, he was basically glued to LeBron the whole time. He held LeBron to less than 40% shooting. You know, I, I looked into this again. So in the Christmas Day... No, yeah, the Christmas Day game, um, 33 of LeBron's 77 possessions. KD was his the guy on him, according to Second Spectrum. Uh, the mid-January game, 44 of 80. So 55% of his total possessions. And I um, assume Draymond is going to get some run at LeBron as well. Yeah, Draymond was 13 in the mid-January game. Iggy only had three that game. Um mm. In Christmas, it was KD 33, Iggy 14, Draymond 4. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of... They, they shuffle it around. I mean, it's no one no one guy is going to do it all. But it, the, the um, Iggy absence is not as devastating as you might think, just coming from the possession-by-possession data. It seems like... KD's going to be the main guy. They're going to put Iguodala elsewhere and just have him cheat off help as, you know, a potential, like, double team. You know, stick him on J.R. Smith, and then you can have him roam and play free safety, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, having those three guys, if 
Iggy is back. I mean, that we talked about this at length prior to this podcast as well. You know, in today's game, it's all about rotating guys onto the big superstars so they get different looks. Mm-hmm. So they can't really prepare themselves for one matchup because then it becomes a little bit too easy. Right. And LeBron is a prime example of that because if he knew that he was going to get one guy on him, he mm-hmm. would figure that guy out. Like, yeah. and he would he would find a way to overcome it. But if you you know have Draymond, Katie, Iggy, maybe even Sean Livingston, who is pretty tall and yeah. and, and can compete at a high level, that's just that's changing the entire game and it's mm-hmm. changing the structure. I think that's essential for for Golden State. What I want to know from your point here is. Should Golden State be keyed in on limiting LeBron, mm. or should they be keyed in on limiting his teammates? Because when I look as at those stats that you presented before as well, like the Cleveland Cavaliers playoff stats, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, shut down LeBron. Try everything you can to shut down LeBron, and then let everyone else just do their damage, because so far they have proven jack shit. Yep, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I like you if you're... Golden State, dare J.R. Smith to hit a couple shots against you. Oh, yeah. Dare, I mean, <laughs> again, I don't think Rodney Hood is going to get much of any run in this series, but if he does, carte blanche, Rodney Hood, please. By, by all means, we will leave you wide open th- from three. Make us pay for it, because you're shooting 15.8% from three in the playoffs. Like, And same goes with Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, it's a, yeah Jordan Clarkson... 30.9% overall in the playoffs, 25.6% from three-point range. Like, you know, LeBron is the one guy who you know can beat you. So, yeah, I think you do everything you in your power to at least limit what he does. And you're right, Mort. I think it's, you know, it's going to be a team effort. Uh, they, they're not going to, even if KD is the primary guy who draws that responsibility, regardless of whether Iguodala is there, you're going to get a couple possessions with Clay Thompson on him, with Draymond Green on him, with Jordan Bell. Your boy Jordan Bell, I think, is going to, yeah. you know, could at least have... I don't think they're going to do it all that often, but, like, the Warriors are still going to be very switchable. So they're going to use that to their advantage, and they, they're going to have confidence in whoever ends up on him. Kevon Looney as well. Um, you know, Iguodala last year as well in the finals... You know, he was a little bit hobbled, but again, KD took a lot of that matchup with LeBron. And I, I found a quote from the uh, Bay Area News Group about, you know, Iggy spoke about that after the game. And he, and he said, I think we're in a unique position where we have a lot of length and a lot of guys who can guard multiple positions. We can change the matchups to give teams different looks, and that's what we've been trying to do. KD and Draymond have done a really good job when we're, when we're on the floor together of communicating really well on our switches and covering our areas. So it's mm. it's like what you said. They The Warriors don't want to just put one guy, glue him on LeBron as the designated LeBron stopper. Because as you said, LeBron's too cerebral. He's going to figure it out. But if he doesn't know who's going to be guarding him on any one possession or they can switch interchangeably, that's going to complicate things for him. And it's just, you know, it's going to make him hesitate that split second, which is really all you need. If you're the Warriors, that's the difference between him, you know, making one of these dazzling passes to a teammate or, you know, you can recover in time to actually get a hand to J.R. Smith's face. Right. Oh, J.R. Smith. I want to see J.R. and Swacky, like, go at it. Yeah. Like, five or six straight possessions. 
<laughs> like too, just man. jacking up threes on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the highlights of the finals. Because I, I know people are bummed about Cavs and Warriors for it. Like, it, it, variety is the spice of life. It would have been nice to see a different matchup. But, like, I will say this to anyone who's dreading this matchup, who, di- who like, doesn't want to tune into this. Two things. One, remember back in the late 2000s when, like, the NBA was so desperately trying to angle the Kobe-LeBron thing? And they just oh, never yeah. actually met in the finals. <laughs> like, it was LeBron in 2007 and then Kobe in 20, 2008 through 2010. But they had, like, the puppets and everything. LeBron suddenly has, you know, this is the third time he's meeting Kevin Durant in the finals. Like, this is what the mm. the NBA wanted with Kobe and LeBron. Like, now you've got LeBron and Durant. This is continuing to build what could be a historical rivalry. And... You know, I don't know that we're going to see Cavs Warriors 5 next year. If LeBron leaves, I, I know we will not be seeing Cavs Warriors 5 next year because the Cavs are not going back to the finals without LeBron James. Nope. So, like, it might, you know, it very well might be LeBron Warriors 5 next year. But this is, you know, unless LeBron stays in Cleveland, this is the last time we're going to see this Cleveland Cavaliers team in the finals for a, probably for a very long time. So mm. I can understand the fatigue. But I think it's at least, you know, give it a game at least. Like, let's see how it plays out. I think, if anything, these playoffs have proved to us that all of our prognostications and all of the thinking that we could do about this matchup, it means shit when it actually goes on the court. Because <laughs> one, oh, right. you know, like a Chris Paul injury changed that whole Rockets Warriors series. Like, yeah. I'm not wishing an injury upon anyone in this series. We've already dealt with way too many injuries throughout not only the playoffs, but the regular season yeah, the as well. Damn season, yeah. But like, if you know, if Steph Curry comes down wrong and twists his knee, and he's out for a couple games, it's a whole different series. Like, don't, let, don't even say that. Don't, I know. Don't. I, know. I mean, look, we 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 need to be careful because if that happens, <laughs> no, Dun, I'm going to put it in your feet. Be, yeah, they're going to yeah. come to my mentions. Oh, yeah, I'm going to come into your mentions, <laughs> and I'm going to rail on you. Look. <laughs> No, I I agree. It was Matt Moore had a good tweet yesterday as well. He was like, uh, I think it was the Bulls, or he just put LeBron on the Bulls and asked, "Oh yeah, is this a finals team?" Yeah, and everyone was like, "Yep." Yeah, <laughs> because and, and, and the Bulls are so bad. It's simply because that's the LeBron factor, right? Right. As as long as you just give him a few teammates who can do something in the East, I don't. The thing is, I don't know if that is a testament to LeBron solely or it's also mm-hmm. a testament to, to still how weak the east is i think mm-hmm. it, i think it may be both yeah i mean but if you put like if you put the rockets in the east right and then you put lebron on a random team i'm not going to say any team like lebron on the magic i don't think beats the rockets but lebron on the pacers this year probably does LeBron on the Bucks absolutely does. Like yeah, I, I yeah. think it's I think it is more of a testament to LeBron. Like I think, you know, the the teams that he faced this year especially were not I mean, the, the Boston like the Boston thing is different just because next year, even if he comes back to Cleveland, Boston's gonna have Irving and Hayward. We don't know what's gonna happen with Marcus Smart, but you know, either way, like LeBron with this Cleveland roster versus a healthy Celtics team, 
I think the healthy Celtics are favored. And that's nothing. I would agree. It's not against LeBron. It's just like that, you know, they they took him to seven this year without two of their best players. Like what, you know, (laughs) what happens when you get those guys back and Cleveland adds, I don't care who they add with the number eight pick. It's not going to be as good as Irving and Hayward combined. I mean, I have Boston as the champs next year. Yeah, I don't think that's outrageous. I, I, I mean, mean, I th- I think they could beat Golden State theoretically. I agree. I, I I think if anything, what we've learned in these playoffs, and I, maybe learned isn't the right word because I feel like we've been moving this way the last couple of years anyway. But you need to have a bunch of wings, two way wings who can switch, if you're mm. going to be a championship contender, and like. That's what Houston went out. You know, Houston went to the bargain bin and got PJ, or I guess they spent a decent amount of money on PJ Tucker, but they got him. They had Ariza. They did go to the bargain bin for Luke Mbamute, and that shoulder injury really hurt them in that series. Boston has Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Marcus Morris. Like, Shemi Ojale is going to be better next year. Like, they have the personnel, you're right, to run with the Warriors. Oh, yeah. It, oh yeah, like I, I don't think people talk about that enough. And just I love Jordan Bell, but mm-hmm. Al Horford against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Like who do who do you go with at that point, right? But no, I th- I think it's interesting. I think a lot of the fatigue is not because of LeBron, it's not because of the dubs necessarily. I think it's because it's it's sort of a symptom where you go, is that really is the East that bad? Because we've mm-hmm. all seen that the weaknesses Cleveland come into and mm-hmm. into the finals with year after year after year. I mean, mm-hmm. they have been an inco- imperf- imperfect team sure, ever since LeBron rejoined them in, t- in 2014. So you're kind of looking at it and go, can no one really step up to this? And one part is LeBron, and that's mm-hmm. fair. That is totally, that's a fair compliment to LeBron. He deserves it. He, he owns it. But you just go, I mean... If when you look at the, the the roster construction in this particular season, the trade yeah. deadline, the guys they got in who just turned into dog poop, <laughs> like yeah. they are virtually playing with no one outside of LeBron, and they mm-hmm. make it to the finals. I think a lot of that is just reactionary in the way where you go, is that really it, Eastern Conference? Is that yeah. it? Are you really that bad? So I think that's more in line with that. And then we've talked about this before as well. Like, who has the first two picks in the draft? Right. Not yeah. Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this year, I think, is especially, you know, at, <laughs> the outlier among them. Because at least in years past, it was like LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. At least, you you know, I don't care who's surrounding them. You can mm. understand. And, like, J.R. Smith wasn't a corpse back then. Tristan Thompson right. was more useful, too. Like, this year feels more like the 2007 Cavs than any other year. Um, oh, yeah. But oh, it, they were so bad. You're right. <laughs> they were so bad. Right, right. But, like, yeah, years past, I think it's fair, but, you know, it, I'm looking at the West, and, yeah, you had the Warriors since the mid-2010s. You had the Spurs, as always, <laughs> just always. And, mm-hmm. yeah, then you had OKC because Presti had that, you know, he, he had... Katie and Westbrook and Harden and he Abate. drafted three MVPs in a row. <laughs> right, right. But like outside of that, you put the Clippers in the East. Do the Clippers stop LeBron? If you put the Blazers in the East, do Blazers stop LeBron? Like LeBron would have gone. I, if you put LeBron against any of those teams outside of Golden State, San Antonio, 
And then even OKC, like the Heat pounded OKC when they played them right. in 2012. I mean, yeah, they were, you know, they would have gotten they better, but they were, yeah, they were very young. But yeah. you're right. No, but then they got I, like injury ravaged the next couple of years. Like yeah. Ibaka got hurt one year, KD got hurt one year, Westbrook got hurt one year, Harden left. Like, you know, I don't think right. They were they were not. I think like you put the Memphis Grizzlies with Zebo and Marcus All and Mike Conley. Like LeBron still gets through them. I, I oh, think you, mean, you mean prime Grizzlies? Yeah. I well, that depends on the roster that LeBron is with. Like if it's LeBron and Kyrie, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Like, but right, the current right. incarnation of LeBron, the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, there's probably a handful of teams oh. in the West. Oh like, yeah, at least three. Like the 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 Warriors, uh, Houston, and San Antonio, assuming Kawhi is healthy. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not saying this year's Cavs yeah. are different. This year's Cavs okay, are completely yeah. different. No, but no, but past, normally speaking, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I would agree. Then then it's not a handful at all. Then it's only a few select teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, this year's this year's team, I'm, I'm just going to keep using the 2007 comparison because it really yeah. felt like Jeff Green was basically good. It was basically Bobby Gibson this year, just, like, mm. out of nowhere to have a huge performance. Um. More, any other final thoughts before we give our predictions on this series? Yes, actually, yeah. and that's a little bit more, you know, overall playoffy uh, than than focused on solely on this series. Have okay. you noticed how many three pointers teams are taking right now and are not going in? It seems like there's a very significant dip in three point field goal percentage in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I feel that was the same thing last year, but but I have a stat here for you. Let me just. Uh, well, I just, of course, closed the tap that I had, but uh, <laughs> I, I looked it up earlier, and let me see. Yeah, so 14 for 83 from downtown. That's the the, the combined efforts of Houston-Boston in their il- elimination games. Oof. That's 16.8%. Eight, 14 makes 83 attempts. At what point, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the new HMBA. I love mm-hmm. the three ball. Mm-hmm. I think it's an essential part to team success. But at what point do you, as a team, look inwards and go, you know what? We we need to dial it back. We need mm. to actually make a concerned effort of getting to the basket. We need to seek out free throws. Like I know I, I'm, I'm going to say old school basketball. Yeah. That's is not meant literally, but... <laughs> Going back to a little bit more traditional basketball sense, where it's about getting to the basket, getting free throws generated, maybe take more mid-range shots. Because when you miss that many threes, you're just going to give Charles Barkley ammunition for the next two years. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for Houston and Boston in particular, it was a combination of, one, they just had such short rotations, and both of them were a lot due to injuries like Houston was running a six-man rotation by the end Boston I think was seven so I think by game seven you just have dead legs and Mm -hmm. I I think you're right where it like once you see that once you go into the second half and you've missed what like 27 straight threes if you're Houston oh god yeah Mike D'Antoni's gotta go say all right guys like you know i i said this in the last episode i don't want to make this a thing about the officiating because i think overall the officials have been fine throughout most of the playoffs but you know again it was a common refrain especially from the houston contingent during game seven that they just houston just wasn't getting the whistles people thought they should so maybe that's why 
you know, maybe that's why they just they were tired. They had dead legs, and if they're like, it's exhausting to drive to the basket, get clobbered, and then not get a whistle. So they were just jacking up threes. But you're right. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I, it's I not think, a viable option. Yeah, I mean, no, like I, in the third quarter with James Harden is taking these step back threes, and he's you know just miss like airballing them. You're just screaming at the TV like, all right, guys, you can make something good happen inside of that 23-foot arc if yeah. you're just aggressive. If nothing else, just drive and kick. But, yeah, it, it, it was it was disheartening to see that. I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the elimination games. It just generally seems like in this playoffs, you've seen a lot of games where, you know, important players rely on the three-pointer because they've relied on it throughout the whole regular season. Mm-hmm. And now because it's the playoffs defenses are more intense mm-hmm. you know the intensity overall is actually just amped up a lot and they you still have this idea oh i still have to get my threes up where no the playoffs is about adjustments yeah. it's about it's a chess match you need to find different ways to get your shots up as well like victor Depot fell into this trap once in a while as well mm-hmm. i i'm just hoping to see a series now in the finals where and I think we will because these are very these are veteran teams. They have a very mm-hmm. good understanding of shot selection. And when I say teams, I mean Golden State has a very good idea of shot selection. <laughs> right. So does LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping to see this series turn into a more chess matchy type of series where it's not just guys jacking up the long ball completely out of the flow of the the offense. I think from Golden State side, you will see that. I I worry from Cleveland side. Brian well, that's Windhorst, part of their offense, though. Like, I know. And Steph Brian Curry Wind- taking 35-footers is actually a part of their game plan. So, I right. mean, yeah. And, like, Brian Windhorst has been hammering this point home throughout the playoffs. Just, like, the Cavs are completely reliant on the three ball. And when it's falling, they can win. And when it's not, they're usually going to lose. So, you know, J.R. Smith is not going to drive to the basket. It's just not in his wheelhouse anymore. They just don't they don't have many guys who can create off the dribble. You have LeBron, you have George Hill, that's about it. Like Kevin Love can't really create off the dribble. And, and even George Hill up. is kinda of, eh. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's not a high percentage look for George Hill more often than not. Like he can do it. I mean, I guess Jeff Green can do it a little bit, but like more on drives than it is like he's not gonna right. create for others off the dribble. So I, I think you'll be half satisfied by the series sport. I think Golden State will run that yeah. like aesthetically pleasing offense. I don't. This think is where will. Minnesota, Tim, Minnesota uh, Kevin Love would make so much sense. Mm. Like he yeah. was in the post, he was in the mid range area. Like he would use the three, sure, but it wasn't like his be all end all, which mm-hmm. it is now in Cleveland. Like he was just so much more involved. Like yeah. dribble handoffs, like <laughs> getting yeah. to the free throw line really banging in the post after offensive rebounds. Like, I just think you need to mix it up a lot more. I don't think you can just use one aspect of, of the way that you score and go, oh, this is the way that we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I think you just need to be diverse. Mm-hmm. And remember, when, when we talk about you know draft prospects, we talk about three-level scores. Yeah. Well, why do we do that if the NBA is turning into a point where, <laughs> hey, you know what, just... You're a one-level scorer. That's from outside the arc. Go, go right. out there and take those shots. Like, no, I think you need to have, you know, those three-level scores, which these finals are going to have plenty of. Yeah, utilize it. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Well, I think teams are just so concerned with efficiency now. Like you, yeah, like a, a guy like a Donovan Mitchell is a three level scorer, but yeah, Utah only gave him twenty plus shots per game because they had no better option. Like right, if, if they had more efficient scores they would not have given him such a high volume of attempts so like lebron absolutely is gonna shoot 25 times per game at least most likely mm-hmm. but i don't know like they don't have any other three level scorers do they i mean no that's true no no cleveland doesn't i was referring more to lebron and golden state yeah. but here's the thing with lebron though like lebron in those 25 attempts you'll see everything you'll yeah. see threes yep. you'll see mid-range pull-ups you'll yep. see post-ups You'll see shots coming off offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. You'll see drives. You'll see the whole package. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's part of why Cleveland keeps winning. Because when you look at the way that the Raptors and the Pacers played, like they were looking for different shots, or the, sorry, sorry, the same type of shots consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of mix-up where you go, okay, now, I, now I'm going to drive, now I'm going to pull up from 15. Like Those ideas were just not there. Right. I still firmly believe that Victor Oladipo would have had that series if he had just diversed his game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that, Which I think is interesting. He, he's going to work on that in the offseason. I think a lot of these young guys, especially, and to your point, like Jason Tatum was that type of three-level scorer, which is why he he's been yeah. so damn impressive throughout the playoffs. Like You didn't know what you were going to get from him. Right, but that was just, he's so young, so I, I don't think it's fair to count him into that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because he was asked to spot up a lot. Right. And Terry Rochier was very inefficient that series. And Jalen Brown, I felt, spent way too much time as like an, an uh, coming off screens, popping threes. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, he's too athletic to not utilize him in different manners as well. Don't turn him into like J.R. Smith. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. All right, wait. I know you prediction said time? Yeah, I, said, I know you said you're not going to give a prediction, but... Give a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably leaning towards gentleman sweep. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not against Cleveland going to six games. I, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. I, I don't either. I mean, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Cleveland wins. I think everything would need to break right for them and they'd probably right. have to benefit from an injury or like Iggy missing the entire finals or whatever but like it's mm. not completely impossible it's very Agreed. improbable you know yeah. if I was assigning odds I'd say there's like definitely a less than like a two percent chance it happens but right again let's let's see it play out before we rule it out not not subtweeting anyone out here but like yeah, we get it. The Warriors are heavy favorites going into the finals. They've been heavy mm. favorites all year. But this is why we watch sports. Underdogs sometimes win. So, I mean, the Cavs did in 2016. So, yeah. like you, I'm going, you know, I, I'm leading a gentleman's sweep as well. I I could see it going six. I I don't think it goes any further than that. I hope it does. I'd love for it to go, but, you know, I hope it goes seven. That's just because you want the league to have more cap space. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about, Ward. <laughs> you want Paul George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me, give me I, that BRI, baby. Yeah, uh, I know. You always yeah. have an ulterior motive. <laughs> it's a big summer. What, what can I say? Yeah, uh, that's true. All right, so everyone, we hope you enjoy the finals. We'll have a lot of content coming out throughout the finals. We're also going to 
start ramping up even more on draft stuff in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to our Twitter account, at the NBA Pod. You can catch all of our new episodes there. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Oh, thank you, Brian. I won't have to stay up for another two days, which means <laughs> I can live a normal life, and I probably, maybe, won't get divorced because of it. So that's great. Mazel tov. That's huge. <laughs> Take care, man. Later. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA.